Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today I had the privilege of interviewing Alyssa Goldwater. And um, I actually met Alyssa a few weeks ago at a, at a food conference and it was really nice to meet her. Uh, and I don't, I never, I had never met her in person and I don't obviously know her that well. I only know her from Instagram and that one time that we met, but I, I have so much respect for her and I watch her on Instagram and I watch her promoting um, size inclusive brands and really exuding a lot of confidence. And I really wanted to get to the bottom of that. Uh, besides for that, she's just super fun and super fun to talk to. And I really wanted to understand her entire story. So you'll kind of hear me um, asking her like a lot of questions and really understanding the trajectory of her life and her story of becoming religious and her, her story of becoming um, an influencer and using her voice to promote things that are important to her and that are meaningful to her. And a lot of the things are also very meaningful to me as a firm mom, as somebody who's promoting um, size and size inclusivity in general. Um, we covered a lot of ground in this episode, but I still feel like there's so much more that we could cover. So Alyssa is so generous with her time and she agreed to do, um, happily agreed to do a part two. So this is just part one of a series of maybe two or three. We'll see. Um, she has a lot of great things to talk about and a lot of important things to cover. So I really feel privileged and honored to have her on the podcast and it was really, really, really fun. So check out this episode wherever you listen to your podcast. You could also watch this. This will be available to watch on IGTV as well as YouTube. A lot of times the episode is transcribed and put onto the website as well. And um, if you want to hear more episodes like this or read more blog posts about intuitive eating, health at every size, go to my website, www.gilaglassberg.com. You could also sign up for a free 20-minute consultation just to get to know me a little bit and see if we're a good fit. If you're looking to make peace with food or the principles of intuitive eating, check out my website, www.gilaglassberg.com. Okay, without further ado, have a great day. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Alyssa Goldwater. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Sure. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Baruch Hashem, doing good. Okay. Um, good. Tell us who you are. Where do you live? What do you do? Okay. So I'm Alyssa Goldwater. I'm a mom, wife, and digital influencer, mostly on Instagram. My handle is at Alyssa Goldwater. Um, I'm a real mom and lifestyle blogger. So I talk about all things from mom life to mental health. My son has type one diabetes, so I'm a support there. And I talk a lot about plus size, modest fashion as well. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. So was that where you saw yourself? Like when you were a kid, did you see yourself <laughs> doing this? Like, how did that happen? No, in the nineties, um, influencer wasn't even a word. So that was definitely not, this is not where I saw myself. I definitely, um, knew I always wanted to be a mom and I wasn't sure what else I wanted to do. So, um, when my, when I came home from Israel and my father said, you must get a job, um, I got a job working for NCSY and I did that for five years. And in the meantime, I got married and had two kids and started posting on Instagram as a creative outlet. Mm -hmm. Um, and more people started following me. I talk in a very sarcastic, humorous, witty sort of way. Um, and I think people really resonate with that and enjoy it. Um, so more people started following brands started reaching out to me, you know, just for free stuff at first. And then eventually I started getting paid a little bit to do this fun thing that I thought was just a hobby. And three years ago, I left my full-time job at NCSY. And now I do um, Instagram as my full-time job. And it's amazing. And wow. I'm very fortunate to be able to do something that is like a creative outlet for me and also make money for my family. So that's awesome. That's amazing. So um, where, are you, where are you originally from? Well, I'm from Kentucky. Um, yes, I knew you had some sort of an accent. The other day I heard it on your Instagram, no? Uh, yeah, when I was high. Oh, yes, when you were high, yes. From my anesthesia. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, she has a Southern, is that Southern? I don't You're even not know. not the only person that said that. They're like, I hear your Kentucky coming out. Yeah, when I'm drunk or apparently high um, on anesthesia, my Kentucky truly comes out. Do you hide? Um, do you think that you like, like subconsciously like hide it because you don't live there anymore or like you know you I'm not sure I actually really like my southern accent um it just sometimes a little twang will come out like normally and I say y'all but um I don't know it's just my parents weren't from Kentucky so it's not like that's what I was hearing all day at home my right. parents are from the northeast so okay. but I'm from Kentucky and I didn't grow up as an Orthodox Jew. I grew up conservative reform. Um, and then in college, I um, discovered the Aish couple on campus at Indiana University and told them I was not interested in any of their religious programming, but I wanted to babysit their children. They said, great. Um, a few months later, I ended up going on birthright with them and that being in Israel was sort of, um, the tip of the iceberg. And now I've been religious for almost 10 years. Wow. So, yeah. You were like, were you anti-religious? Were you not interested in becoming religious? Cause you just, did you not, not want them to try to make you religious? Like, you were yeah, I just like, wasn't interested in any of their classes they were offering, you know, I just don't really have the attention. I don't go to Shiram often now either. It has to be a really, you know, attention grabbing, um, speaker because I just can't sit through it. I never in school, nothing. I mean, I never paid attention. I just sort of thank God I'm, I'm a smart person and can sort of, I could get by, um, and get good grades without paying attention. 
Yeah, that's very lucky. I, I didn't pay Don't attention. Don't try this at home. <laughs> yeah, I didn't pay attention, but I didn't get good grades. So I have the, the other side of that. Anyways, okay, so you grew up in Kentucky. You went yeah. to college there, Indiana? I went to I Indiana even, University. I don't know where that is. I have Indi- no concept. Kentucky is here. Indiana is here. And Illinois is here. So okay. I grew up in the top of Kentucky. I'm very visual. Thank you. And I went to college like here. And now I live like here. Okay. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> that was so nice. That was so I nice. I mean, it wasn't perfect by any stretch. But of you're a mo- I could tell you're a mom because you're like, okay, you're not getting what I'm saying. So I have to show you. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's funny uh, totally on a tangent but like I'm such a visual learner and for sure some of my kids are like that and it's like if only schools would get that like everyone learns so differently that like it's important to know your audience also okay. I promise I keep kosher this is just a diet coke um, okay people were like worried you know like they were it gonna just hits better from chick-fil-a okay guys I hear that I totally hear that it's the ice they've got the good ice there you have an and- ice I don't because we don't have room for it. You need to get one. I know. When one day we're going to redo the house and there's going to be a dedicated space for the ice maker. I get it. I re- I, I'm I very into the ice. We have an um, ice maker. It's not the good ice, but it's ice. So I, I mean, it. we've got ice. It's just totally not the good ice. But is it an ice maker ice? Yeah. Okay, fine. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I'm not using molds all day, every day. I mean, I did like up until like. So did we? It was right. horrible. Right. <laughs> but we're I like you're a an ice, ice person. Yes, my in-laws. I'm really sorry. I hope I'm not offending them. They don't drink ice, so they try to always have in the house. Like they buy the ice in the bags. In the bags, you can buy the good ice in the bag. By yes. the way, uh, yes, it's just they're like, oh, we don't have ice. I'm like, I need ice. I I like live for ice. It's really you can't better. drink things without ice. Yes, um, but they think that it dilutes the drink. It I'm doesn't saying. bother me. Me neither. I and have my ice right here. I just need, and water, I need ice and ice and ice and ice. Totally. Um, yeah. We get each other. Okay, so you were, so when you went to college, did you go for any specific degree? Like, did you have anything in mind that you were, wanted to pursue? I tried out like three different things while I was there. One semester, I went for social work. One, then I decided not to pursue that. Um, then I switched to early childhood education, um, which is where I had sort of always thought I would end up being a teacher. Now as a mom, I don't like other people's children. So I'm glad that I'm not a Mora, um, a teacher. (laughs) Totally. Um, you know, I have my few, like of my best friends, kids that I love, like my own, and that is the extent of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't have the patience to be a teacher anymore. But um, so I did that for a while. And then I ended up just getting a minor in psychology and a bachelor of general studies. So you just didn't know. You didn't know. No, I didn't know. I I would have stayed in education, but I wanted to grab I need I was I started education late and it's a very specific track at Indiana. So I was going to end up being there an extra semester. And by that point I was Shomer Shabbos, Shomer Kashras, and um, I needed to get out of there and go to Israel. So Uh I just did whatever I could to get out of there on time in my four years. And that's what it was. And I never needed that degree. (laughs) And um, 
listen, I'm glad I went to college. I'm glad I can say that I have a college degree, but I haven't used, I don't remember anything I learned. The only thing I remember are like from creating projects and teaching reading in my early childhood classes. That is literally all I remember. Um, Yes, I everything that I have built as my business now has been from learning on the job and learning from others and taking like a few courses in the general area of like social media. But now at colleges, they do offer um, social media management degrees, social mm-hmm. media marketing degrees, Um but it's totally not necessary. Although I think it could help. It could help. It probably would help you. I mean, or would help me. because you know, I To understand that. analytics a little bit better, right. SEO, right. Right. that kind of stuff. Um, but it wasn't available when I was there. So. Right, right. So you went to, okay, so this couple, um, you, you became close to them and they, yeah. I guess maybe it was like strategically didn't push, but they, you got to know them and you got to, you were close to them. And then you went on a birthright trip with them to Israel. Yeah. And that sort of inspired you to say like, okay, I want to learn more about Judaism. Yeah. So it was like going to the Kotel and, you know, there is really something like magical about being at the Kotel. Um, And they ran their trip through Israel Free Spirit Birthright, which is like an Orthodox provider. Mm -hmm. So the Madri Chot on the trip, um, like the counselors on the trip were these Orthodox Jewish women who were single, like, you know, in their twenties, not married. And it was in Israel in the middle of the summer and they were dressed so cute, but like they were so covered Mm -hmm. and, you know, they didn't touch the boys on our trip. And I was so confused, but I really liked them. Like I, I had a very close connection with one of them. We spent like the entire trip together and, you know, just, asking her questions and like hearing her answers about why she does certain things. And, you know, based on the college career that I had had thus far, um, you know, I was the vice president of my sorority at this time. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't really know what that means only from movies. So if you want to explain it to us, (laughs) like no concept. Okay. So, so a sorority is like an exclusive club for women. Um, and you do this thing called rush where you go around and basically interview and try and get them to like you and let you in. And it's like a sisterhood. Mm-hmm. You live in a big mansion together. Um, fun. and it is, it's so much fun. There's organized programming and, Um, so being vice president, I helped organize like all the sisterhood programming and I helped like run the house. There's a house mother, you know, like an actual adult. Um, and there's a kitchen, you eat all your meals there. Like they cook for you. Um, it's definitely not cheap to be in a sorority, but it's like an alternative to living in a dorm for another year or renting an apartment. It's only Um, in your senior year. No, so it's you rush your freshman year and then you you live in the house starting your sophomore year. So I lived in the house um, my sophomore and junior year and then senior year, you like get an apartment outside of the house, like with your sorority sisters. Cool. So it's basically like uh, a for sure group of friends Uh with um, activities like with 
a social agenda that like is always going. Is um, it very exclusive? I mean, some of them are, um, and you know, they all have, um, what's it called? Oh my gosh. They, you know, there's like a stereotype for every different sorority. Um, I was in a Jewish sorority. Um, there were two on campus because Indiana is a very heavy Jewish population, obviously not religious, but um, a lot of people identify as Jewish and are very like culturally Jewish there. Um, so that was a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Actually, one of the Madrichot on my birthright trip was in my sorority and she became religious. And I always thought of her as like that weird girl that became religious. And then yeah. I became that weird girl that became religious. <laughs> yeah, totally. If you're not like, yes, I could relate to that. Even though I grew up from, I didn't grow up, I guess how I am now. So like yeah. when I was a teenager, I was like, wow, those people are really crazy, you know? Yeah, and then like right. you become them. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's a sorority in a nutshell. Um, but yeah, I just started asking questions and was really inspired by the answers and um, they were very, I could see that like women were very respected and women um, really valued themselves for things other than like men. Um, in fact, like the whole like physical aspect of being with a man was totally taken out of the picture. And that was very attractive to me. Um, and it just made sense. I was like, oh, there is more to life, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So that's sort of how that started. And I went to my rabbi and I said, you know, I'd really like to learn more about this stuff. And they were like shocked. They couldn't believe it. Um, and they've never pushed me, um, but I just started, you know, showing up for Friday night dinner. And um, by senior year, I was staying at their house every Shabbos so that I didn't have to walk. Um, yeah. Well, obviously there's no A-roof either. Right, right. Um, but also I wasn't interested in walking alone on a college right. campus right. at night. Was it, was there a part of you that still felt like torn? Like, I don't know if this is what I want, or I don't know if I want to become religious while I'm in college because of all the conflicts that come up. So I didn't completely take on Kashras until I was finished, but I had an end point. Like I, I was not eating meat out. Um, and I started eating like pretty much vegan out by senior year. Um, but I had an endpoint. I said, you know, when I go to Israel after college, like I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm sort of like a Naseb Vanishma kind of gal. Um, like I knew what was the right thing to do. And I sort of would catch up my like understanding of it later. Um, but I have a lot of Yira. <laughs> um, so it was more important to me to take it on because I knew it was the right thing to do. Um, so once I, once I did that, it just sort of went from there and listen, like it was hard. Like I did have friends who were boys and it was hard because they just thought it was weird. And, you know, it totally it you changed your whole life. Change. It was totally yeah. just a change from who I used to be. Um, you know, not even like giving them high fives or like a side hug or anything. Right. Um, 
but it was okay. And my friends were pretty understanding. It's funny because um, junior year of college at Indiana, a lot of the juniors go abroad for their second semester, but I couldn't go abroad because otherwise I wouldn't graduate on time, mm-hmm. but all of my friends went abroad. So I was pretty much alone and had to find a new friend group. Um, and I grew a lot religiously while they were gone. And then they came back and I was like, totally Shomer Shabbos. So it was like a little bit of a big change for them because when they left, I was one person. And when they came back, I was another person. Um, I don't really know where I was going with that, but yeah, it was hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew it was the right thing to do. And I knew that after I left college, I would be able to grow even more. So did anyone in that immediate friend group also become religious or you, you were the only one? It's just me. A lot of them were more culturally, culturally religious than I was when I met them. Um, like they were going to the H programming and I wouldn't go with them. Um, so that was a little bit funny. Um, and I think maybe a little bit hard at first for them. Um, but like, oh, Alyssa thinks she knows more than us now, you know, but yeah. I'm very close with them still. Um, I was going to ask you that next. Like, are you still close with that? Group not everyone in that group. You know, there were like eight of us, um, but I'm still close with, you know, how it happens. You yeah. lose touch with most people and then you stay in touch with a few and I'm in touch with a few. Yeah. So, okay. So that, so, so where did you go in Israel? So when I was in college on breaks, I went to IOT. Um, do you know what IOT? No, I never okay, heard of it. So, you know, um, well, Aisha Torah is Rav Noah Weinberg, that's all. Then his wife, Rabbitson Dina Weinberg, Shlita, is that what you say for women too? I have no idea. Okay, whatever. Well, <laughs> I here. joke with my friend who grew up from, her name is Kelly Kravitz. I interviewed her also, or Kelly Gross or Ellie Shava Gross or whatever. And she like, I don't know. I grew up from it. I don't know any, like I never went to shul. I don't know the words. I don't know how well, it happened. she deserves a shlita, so I'm okay. going to give it to her. You give um, it to her. I have no <laughs> idea. I grew up so, from, but I have no idea. So she had her own seminary called Iyat, and technically it was like the sister to Asha Torah, but it was nothing like Asha Torah. It was it was in um, Kiryat Sons. Um, it was stark, 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 stark. Um, very small, very um, like hashkafa focused, very far to the right. Um, and it was just what I needed. It was like, I call it the boot camp that I needed to be able to finish college. It's like, I would go up so much when I was there, like my Madrega, and then going back to Indiana, like, because I had been so high, I wouldn't fall as much when I went back to college. And then after college, I needed a little more of a social um, place. So I went to Sharim in Harnov. Mm-hmm. Um, That's like, is that like connected to Neve or no? No, so it's just in, no, it's not connected. It is like in the sense that it's one of like the Bale Chuva seminaries, um, but no, it's not connected. It's much smaller than Neve. I went to Neve one summer, like the summer after seminary, like not the summer right after seminary the next year. Uh-huh. And I like loved it. It was like so many people who like weren't religious yet or yeah, it was cool. And then I heard of that seminary, but I never... I don't know where it was in Harnoff. I never so went So it was there. like, I mean, I don't know if you know Harnoff. It was on Agassi. So 
Like I don't remember. It was so long ago. The, most of the way up the mountain, but not all the way at the top, like Neve. Right. Um, yeah. So you went there for a year? I was there for like 10 months. Yeah. Did your, how are your parents feeling about this whole transition? So my mother passed away when I was nine. So it's right, just, me and my, yeah. so it's just me and my dad. Um, and he definitely thought it was just a phase until I got engaged and he like came over to me and was like, are you sure about this? <laughs> do, you have, do you have any, do you have any siblings? No, I'm an only child. Just, just you and your dad. Yeah. And a dog. And a dog. So, uh, wow. So he, so he was okay with, it sounds like up and let's say before you got engaged up until that, he just thought like, okay, this is like an interesting phase. Yeah. I mean, like he, and since then, really, he has become much more religious himself. He puts on tefillin every day. So um, nice. He davens every day. Wow. Um, I mean, in English, but like he davens every day. That counts. Um, okay. And he's very, he's very into it. Um, and is he's pretty respectful. So, um, so that's been good. So at first, would you say he was like indifferent? Like he wasn't sure yeah, he didn't, how to feel about it. You know, he definitely like made accommodations for me. Like he was okay buying separate dishes. I don't really ever remember a time of him like rolling his eyes, you know, mm-hmm. um, or being like, are you sure? Or like, this is right. so annoying. Right. You know, I also like, as I was becoming more religious was more lenient with him, you right. know, having my husband on board. Now, if he needs something to be more, strict I just like let him tell my dad right <laughs> I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about it you know right right um I don't I hope you don't mind me asking this but do you do you like know how how you think your mom would feel if she knew that you became religious or if she was still alive I don't mind you asking and I'm not really sure I don't think she would have been I mean I don't think she would have disowned me but we're very close with her sister and my first cousins who are like 20 years older than me. I was like, it took my parents a very long time to have me. And my mom was older when she had me. Um, But based on how my other side of the family handles things, I think that it would have been harder for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Interesting. I'm so curious. Like, I don't even know. I had, I guess it's something I, I would want to think about before I like going down that road. But like, I, you know, I, I lost my mother also like um, three plus years ago. I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, I, I, I can't believe I forgot that you lost your mother. I knew that you lost your mother because you spoke about it on Impact Fashion's podcast a while ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but also to, I'm one of nine. I have oh, eight wow. siblings. So um I'm the fourth. So I lost my mother when I was 27, but my brother was 16. My youngest uh-huh. brother was 16, you know? So, um, yeah, like I can't imagine like my siblings were like my support system. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. had there. So my friends became my support system. You right. know, my dad still had to travel for work. Um, oh. and I became like a third sibling at my best friend's house. They, I mean, they were, <laughs> this just shows like how far I've come, but like, she just sent me a picture, um, of a Christmas stocking with my name on it. She's like, do you remember this? And I'm like, yeah, I remember this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like you, like 
I knew I was Jewish and they were right. very, very respectful, but I love the season. You know, Yashka is not my reason for the season, but I love the season still. It's like one of the hardest things for me. Um, and I still appreciate the lights to their fullest. The lights are beautiful. I have lights to say. Lights are beautiful. Especially um, if you grew up appreciating it or, or celebrating in any way. Well, my dad and I also like had a game that we used to play. We would drive around and say, I see pretty lights. And I actually taught it to my children. Um, and it's something that we like connect on now. We talk about it. You know, we right. talk about, you know, the lights are very beautiful and we can enjoy them, but we're Jewish and we don't do that. And, you know, I think there's a way to approach most things like that, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so I was like a part, I, my friends became my family, essentially. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, um, I'm really sorry to hear that, that you lost your mother, especially at age nine, like, that must have been so hard. Thank you. I mean, I don't think it was hard until I became a mother. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't, um, like, didn't hit me. Until right. I became a mother myself, which is a long time for it to not hit you. <laughs> well, it's like delayed grief, right? That's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, like super delayed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure you fo- you follow um, Sarah Hannah Krohn. Yeah, I Am love I saying her. that wrong? Yeah, and she, I think she lost her mother when she was nine also. She did. She was young. And yes. I wish that um, there had been something like that for me. Right. Um, Lynx is an amazing organization. Amazing. Um, yeah. Also, my, my it happens to be my mother-in-law is um, I'm mentioning my, my in-laws a lot. Like I hope they watch this. My mother-in-law um, was, is an only child, and she lost her mother when she was I think 13 or 14. Oh wow! So like it's so funny. Like she's always like I always wanted siblings. I always wanted you know. And I'm like I had so many siblings. Like my life was chaotic. You know, yeah. like as a kid, it was just like kids everywhere flying. You know. Right um everyone has different a different experience um so when you came back from college your dad wanted you to get a job just because like he felt like you should be like self-sufficient or like that was like the culture in your home he just was like I'd gone to Israel for a year now I had been on many trips I've been to Israel like 10 times um like on these trips and my dad was just like it's time to come home and be an adult now right because that wasn't in our people in our family just didn't do things like that, where we just like took years off in between, you know, college and working and yeah. So he was just like, it's time to come back and get a job. He said, I know you don't really want one, right? but you've got to get one. So <laughs> because so you I weren't, like, you weren't feeling pulled to anything really. It sounds like no. you were just exploring so your said, life. I said to my dad, you know, like, okay, fine. I'll come home and get a job. But, um, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'll get a job, but I'll also get married. So okay. that was really like my next, that was my next goal. But I told him, you know, I'll get a job. And then thank God, <laughs> seven months later, I was engaged. So you, did you come back to Kentucky? No, no. I never went back to Kentucky full time. Um, I went to Passaic because I was told you had to move to the tri-state area to find a nice Jewish boy to get married to. Who told and- you that? It did, it did, I did need to be in Passaic, but only so someone at a Shabbos table could say, I know who you're going to marry. And then I dated my husband long distance. um, And we were engaged like eight weeks later. So your husband grew up from? 
No, no, he's a ball chihuahua. He's a ball chihuahua also. So you you came to the tri-state area to date, but he wasn't living in the tri-state area. <laughs> but you were were you were you um so you were working in NCSY in Passaic? No, I was working for NCSY in Manhattan and commuting from Passaic. And how did you end up in Passaic? You know, a lot of Shireem alumni live in Passaic, and I hear they're a very I hear they are um typically like a more open and welcoming community to Bali Chuva and like single girls. There are a lot of single girls that live in Passaic. Um, so I boarded with a family, so nice. um, a Shireem alum and her family, um, so, nice. so close to, and um, I only lived there for seven months because then I moved to Chicago, which is fine. Chicago is much more, you know, closer to Kentucky than I mean, both geographically and um, culturally. Cu- yeah, culturally. That's the word for it. <laughs> so you moved to Passaic, you lived with in this family, and then somebody at this house sa- um, said they have someone for you? No, a different no. Shabbos table. Somebody else invited you and said, I know someone for you. Yeah. And your husband grew up, where did he grow up? He grew up in Highland Park, Illinois, which is on the North Shore. Of It's very close to where we live. Um uh-huh. Lots and lots of Jews there, but they're not religious. So he became from, he has his own, his own story. They he thought has his whole you. own separate story. Yeah. Interesting. And then you guys, was he like one of your first guys that you dated or no? I dated, I think seven people. I okay. Think. Was that weird? Like Shadok dating versus, versus. I liked it because. Oh, you're the only person I've ever heard say that. Yeah, I liked it because everybody was marriage minded mm-hmm. and, you know, I knew I wasn't going to get like taken advantage of or, you know, my feelings weren't going to get hurt because like I felt stronger about someone than, you know, even though that can happen in shidduch dating, you're protected by so many fences that like, you don't really, if it's not going to work. I feel like you, and it's not mutual. I feel like you don't really have a chance to like fall in love with someone, you know? Right. Right. Um, Yeah. I had one person who I would have kept going. Like I would have continued dating them and they said no. And I was like a little confused, but I wasn't like in bed for days, hysterical about it. You know? Right. I was just like, okay, it's not for me. Um, That's an interesting perspective, I think, for people to hear coming from, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's just so heartbreak is real. And in the non-religious world, people, there are so many women who want to get married, but it's not like you talk about that before you go on your first date. So you could totally be dating someone for a long time and then like years and Mm -hmm. then realize or it comes up in conversation that they don't want to get married for like another five years or they don't want to get married or they don't want to have kids or you know their political party you know their life views are so different from yours right and then you've wasted all this time in your life because Mm -hmm you want something and they don't. Right. And that causes so much heartbreak and depression. And it's just, it really gets you down. Um, 
like really, really gets you down. And listen, everything happens for a reason, but there's no reason to like waste time, um, precious time right? when, when you don't have to. Right. I mean, that's the whole point of the shut off system, right? Exactly. As much as we like to bash it and like, listen, you don't, you don't have to, you know, some people think the point of the Shidduch system is to, you know, just get 19 year olds married and to produce like 14 children. But like, there's also like this whole emotional piece to it to protect us. Um, and after living like both sides of both the Shidduch system and not the Shidduch system, um, you know, I definitely like, had a boyfriend in college that I was like, yeah, we're going to get married. And we definitely weren't going to get married. You know, there was just no I, way, but you get so caught up in it right. that you're like, of course, I love him. Right. <laughs> and he does yeah. not love you, you know? <laughs> right. right. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, my husband and I actually, we met when we were in high school. So I never, I never did go through the shidduch system. So like, I think that I don't really know anything about it only peripherally from like all my friends who have dated through the school system and my siblings like my sisters and brothers because I'm one of nine and eight of us are married you know so like most of us went through the shuttle system it's like it's interesting it's really interesting yeah um but I appreciate your perspective because you're right there is a massive pro obviously every system has flaws and cracks for sure there's a massive pro to the way that we we do that for a reason and you know, listen, I'm very lucky. It worked for me. Right. Um, there are a lot of older single Bali Chuva women who the system is not working for them. Right. And it's really hard. And I have friends that are going through it and it's heartbreaking for me to watch. So I consider myself very, very fortunate. And if I had had some of the struggles that my friends have, I probably wouldn't have the same opinion on it. Right. Um, you had a very positive experience. I had a very good experience with it. Yeah. Did you kind of like know that your husband was the one when you met him? He knew first, but I definitely knew after like he came to New Jersey and we dated three times that weekend. Um, and then I went to Chicago. And after that Chicago trip, I was like, okay, I think I can marry this guy. And once I like make up my mind about something, I sort of make up my mind about it. Um, Was there like any culture shock for you or your dad about like the the amount of time you guys dated and like engagement and until you get like it's- Oh, my dad thought it was insane. But he was supportive. Yeah, he was supportive. Wow. I don't know. My dad and I don't really talk about these kind of things. We don't really like talk about emotions, which like that's a whole other conversation. Um, which we could, which we could do a sequel, you know. That's I, caused I a whole slew of other problems for me <laughs> in my life. But um, but yeah, it just he was just like, Are you sure? Right. Are you sure? Because once you get married, like this is like the you're married. Right. <laughs> once you're married, you're married, right? Yeah. Right. And like, once you're married to an Orthodox Jew, like you have to be Orthodox. Right. Um, right. And so. I understand, like, I totally understand his hesitation. Like, I really do think it's like your whole world, your entire world changes once you become Orthodox, like right. in every aspect. Right. 
but Adam's a good guy. That's my husband. Um, I'm sure he's a great dad, guy. My dad likes him more than me. So, so I say, I say the same thing about my husband and, so and that's my mom. Great. So yeah. everybody's happy. Okay. At, at my wedding in front of all of these from people that like, you know, I'm trying to like move into their community and like be a part of them at the wedding. My dad literally said in his speech, she's your problem now. <laughs> we could probably write a whole book on like what happened at the wedding and the cultural, <laughs> the cultural shock. Yes. Yeah, I totally times. understand. Um, you have to meet my friend Kelly because you guys would be friends. Um, so anyways, uh, I, I, we don't have so much time left, so we might really have to do a part two, but I really want to know so, okay, so one of the things I really want to interview about is that you're very passionate or that you're advocating for a plus size from clothing, right? Yeah. So is that, when you started the social media thing, you said it was a social outlet you, or it was a creative outlet. Um, did you see it going in that direction? Did, were you always passionate about that? How did that happen? No, I dressed like a schlump for like, after I had kids for like, I was cute before we got married. And then after I had kids, I dressed like a schlump for like two and a half years. Um, you know, as I started just like gaining weight while well, I had a baby gained weight, then I didn't really have time to lose that weight and had another baby. My kids are 12 months apart. Oh, wow. Um, and then I since I, I had him, I've just sort of been like steadily gaining weight again. Um, we have to have a sto story about the 12 month. <laughs> I have to hear how people have kids 12 months apart. I just, I mean, Hashem gives you the gift and you just roll with it. <laughs> My sister and I are 12 months apart. So I always, if, tell you, if you might notice, I haven't had any more children since then. Um, so wait, your oldest is how old? My oldest is turning six next month. That's and your, my, is that your daughter? Yeah. And my baby, who is not a baby, but he is my baby. My son is turning five. Got it. Um, so we have taken a very long break. Um, well, we have made, we have put certain things into play to ensure that we have taken a very long break. <laughs> I got it. I got it. it was a lot. Um, yeah. You had like twins basically. Yeah. But instead of doing it at the same time, you did it all over again. And Miri was an angel, a perfect angel. She is the perfect specimen of a child. Listen, she's sassy and like throws some tantrums, but like she hits her mark, like she hits the milestones. She's very smart. I don't have to worry about her. Then Ozzy comes along, my sweet Ozzy, and he can't eat properly. He can't hold his head up properly, right. you know? So he was in PT, OT, um, feeding therapy and now he has diabetes and now he's a, now he's a celiac also. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. So, um, listen, we just roll with it, but yeah, yeah that's why we only have two kids. <laughs> I mean, it's really a lot. It's really, yeah. really a lot. It's a whole lot. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were saying that. So, so let me just backtrack for a second. When you, before you got married, before you had kids, did you feel good about your body? Have you been somebody who's always, you exude a lot of confidence. Have you always been very confident? Okay, so listen, it's interesting you're asking me this because I talk a lot about plus size on people's podcasts, but I've never really talked about like before. So growing up, I was always told that like by family members, not my dad, that, um, that I needed to lose weight. 
Um, so I always sort of had this complex that I weighed too much, like from fourth grade on, I, I was like fat for a long time that, um, you know, didn't feel good in the things I bought. You know, I was always buying like eight X, you know, like gap, they have like eight X, you know, like for Husky girls, <laughs> but I was short also. So mm -hmm. it was like, I had to buy the bigger things and get them hemmed. You know, no, I never felt good about myself. I was always self-conscious in the things I wore. Um, right. Even up until I remember buying dresses for my fort and like Sheva Brachos and I just like was uncomfortable in them. Um, so, and then as my body started to change, Miri took a toll on me. I was so swollen. She had to, I had to be pushed in a wheelchair from 25 weeks on. I couldn't walk. I'm telling you, my ankles were the size of my neck. Like it was ridiculous. I don't really know what happened. It was sort of like, I had both of the kids. I didn't really feel good about my body until I started this platform. Um, and I say it a lot. Like sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it. And I'm not saying I was lying um, mm -hmm. because I don't do that. If you know anything about me, you know, I don't like BS things, but um, I just started and it probably helps that I see myself in photos all the time. And um, I just started looking for cute clothes because I wanted to feel better about myself. I started putting makeup on every day because that helps me feel more put together. And there was just something that turned and I decided that I didn't wanna feel bad about myself anymore. And it wasn't the way to live. And I didn't want that for my daughter. Mm -hmm. I specifically said to the family member who like did that to me, I said, if you ever say anything to my daughter about weight or how she, like her body or anything, I will completely cut off your relationship with her because I never, I always want her to feel good in what she wears. And I always want her to feel good no matter what her body looks like. It is so important to me because it's taken, it took such a toll on me. Um, and I still struggle sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll go through four outfits in my closet that fit me perfectly fine until I feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm in such a better place now. I genuinely don't care what other people say. People ask me if I'm pregnant all the time. And I'm like, nope, just that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm so thankful that I'm in this place. Listen, there's a difference between, between being plus size and healthy and plus size and unhealthy. And I personally know based on the way I feel that, I need to take a little bit better care of myself. And I do need to lose a few pounds so that I can feel healthier, but it's not because when I look in the mirror, I look, I feel disgusting about myself. It's just like, I need to stop huffing and puffing and I need to be able to bend over easier. You have to know yourself in that way. Um, Interesting because like, because so I'm a dietitian and I do intuitive eating help at every size. Like these are the things I talk about. 
every day with clients, right? Like their journey, how, like what the messages they got as a kid, being in a larger body's badge from fourth grade, right? Like those are the messages. Right. Yeah. But it's interesting that your um, instinct was to say like, okay, I'm going to put on makeup. I'm going to dress better instead of losing weight. Like that, that's what I was, that's what I say. Cause the whole model of intuitive eating and health at every size is focusing on healthy behaviors and not on weight because weight's not a behavior. So like I definitely tried to, you know, I did an exercise group for like a year and I felt good when I was exercising and I wasn't necessarily losing like tons of weight. Right. Um, but it's funny because in college I was like a workoutaholic and I was very, very thin. And I was at a point in my life at one point where my thighs almost didn't touch. Um, and I thought I was just like living the life, you know? Um, but you can be plus size and happy. It's just about being healthy also. And that's either something that your blood tests at the doctor tell you, or like, non-scale, you know, non-victories tell you, you know, I have a lot of non-scale victories that I would like to achieve now. It's not a number on the scale for me anymore because I don't care if I'm in plus size clothes forever because I know that I look good and I look beautiful in plus size clothing. It's about how I feel. It's those non-scale victories that I would like to achieve. Um, for me, for my kids, you know, for our family. Um, wow. That sounded really good. That was pretty motivating. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm not, what I want to like, kind of like highlight or pull apart, especially for like the, like people who are listening is like most people who I speak to say like, I don't feel good. I need to lose weight. And you went a different route intuitively. Like I don't have to necessarily lose weight to feel good. I could feel good at plus size, even if society says plus size is is bad, right? So, so, so there must have been maybe like you didn't even realize, but maybe there was like uh, once you started doing that, it made you feel better. So you just were like, okay, this is working. Let me keep doing that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think I think you have to be right to some extent. You know, I I wish I could pinpoint the exact thing that like made the click for me, the change. Um, but I just don't care what other people say about me anymore. I just don't. I know that I'm beautiful. I hate it. I hate it. And I did a whole post about this when, when you say um, that you're plus size or you say that like you have a few pounds to lose and someone else says, but you're so beautiful. I didn't say I wasn't, you know? I hate it when people associate beauty with pounds. Like, I know I'm beautiful. I have a lot of confidence. I don't have. So maybe, so maybe you, you just, do you think you naturally have a lot of confidence and the, and the, the comments about your weight pulled you down to an extent, but really not. I've changed. You should have seen me. I was just gained confidence. I was a loser in high school, a total loser. People were so mean. I had like three friends. Um, and I was a total loser and I wasn't even like, I wasn't like overweight. It had nothing to do with my weight. Um, I just like was not a cool girl. Part of college was a good time for me. And then I became this weird religious girl, you know? I don't know. 
something just happened. I was a cool girl in seminary. Maybe that was it. I don't know. It doesn't hurt that people look up to me now. Like, of course that helps me feel good about myself. Right. That I'm helping people, but I don't know. I've just grown into myself and I could not be more grateful to be in this place for me personally. And also I'll say it again and again for my daughter, because the confidence that I show is going to rub off on her. It does. I mean, (laughs) I say that to clients all the time because clients will ask me, let's say I'm working with them for their kids. I'm not working with them for them. And, um, and they'll say like, well, they're being bullied at school for their weight. So they have to lose weight. Right. Like that's, that's the next step. And I'm like, well, how do you feel about their weight? And they're like, I'm really unhappy about their weight, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, well, kids feel their sense of like self and confidence and groundedness and love and acceptance from their parents. And I'm not blaming the parent. And I always, I I even just said this to my mom, it's normal that you're fat phobic because we're all a little fat phobic because we live in the world and we could just validate that and not feel guilty and not push it away. However, (laughs) I highly recommend you work on that because if a child feels loved and accepted, no matter what, we have to accept a lot of things about our kids that we didn't expect, right? Nothing to do with their weight. A lot of kids, we just don't expect what we get. We don't pick, we don't pick it. You got that right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the more we are able to say like, this is my child, Hashem chose this child for me. I love them and accept them unconditionally. The more they feel that, that groundedness. So it's true. You're hundred percent right in terms of your daughter. So maybe that was just like a motivating, like a highly motivating factor for you. Like if I'm not going to make this right for me, I'm going to make this right for my daughter. And you just like did. I think it's definitely part of it. I, I would through therapy, I was able to realize that I was severely damaged by some of the things that happened in my childhood and were said to me. Um, and I just didn't want that for her. Right. So. so that just motivated you. So, okay. So I have to end here. Sure. But maybe I'll come back on. Cause I have so many other things I need to I like. I would love to do a part two. Pull apart. And um, you're an inspiration to me. I love what you post. I think so many people, it helps so many people. It helps my clients. It helps myself personally. Like I've, my body's changed so much in the last few years and having children and certain medications. And it's like, right, bodies change. And that can be beautiful in a different size. And um, it's just really important for people. you Like you put a face to that and it's really important. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for coming on. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Stay tuned for part two, everyone. Stay tuned, yes. (laughs) Thanks so much. Sure. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.